You are now listening to My Faithway Podcast. You can now find us on every major platform. And don't forget to visit our Facebook page with live services every Sunday at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you want to become a partner or simply make a one-time donation, please text the word FAITHWAY to 77977. Click send and you will receive a link for further instruction. Feel free to comment on our Facebook live stream services or visit our page at myfaithway.org. Now let's experience life in a new way, the Faithway. Let us know where you're at. Um, we don't have very many um, announcements to share this morning, but we do have one. Unfortunately, there's not a flyer up for this one yet. Um, but as soon as we receive the flyer, we'll go ahead and share it on our social medias. But this is for our Healing of the Nations. Every year we, um, we take a team, and there's a team, a couple of us that go over to Arizona um, with Pastor Elson Bennett. And this year, they've moved the dates, and it's now in summer, so it's even more friendlier for us who would like to travel, who would like to go, because that means our kids are not in school. So they're, they're out of school in summer, so this opens up the door for everyone who's been wanting to experience, you know, missions, wanting to experience how you can help. This is a perfect place to go because, I mean, we have need everywhere, but we've never seen a great need right here in our backyard in the States. So this is somewhere where we can go. Um, we're, it's going to be July, if I'm not mistaken, I think the Sunday is 9th, July 9th um, to July 14th, I think. Let me see, 15th. It is from a Sunday to a Sunday. Um, so you don't have to stay for every single day. Here it is. It's July 9th to the 16th. Um, you don't have to stay for every single day, but every single day has its new blessings to give. Um, there's multiple speakers that come on. We have um, the headlining was Pastor um, Jerry Seville and Kenneth Copeland. We have worship team members that come from all across the world, you know, they come literally all across the world and come together and join on the worship stage and work together. And the worship is just filling prayer. We have prayer intercession, and that is just filling also. And then, of course, the word, the dynamic, dynamic and powerful word is always given. So this is on the 9th, July 9th through the 16th. Um, Covenant of Faith Church usually sends us hotel and coupon codes. And as soon as they're up, we encourage you, if you are planning to go, please take advantage of these coupon codes because these hotel rooms go fast. They go super, super fast. So as soon as we get all this information, we will be speedily sharing it with you guys also in case you guys are interested in traveling with us. So at this time, uh, kids, you guys are dismissed. If this is your first time here, we have our nursery right here in the hallway foyer for our babies up to the age of three. Right next door to the babies, we have our elementary students, and then right next door to elementary is our pre-K students. And then junior high ministry, you guys are also dismissed. You guys will be going outside to the junior high ministry building. So at this time, let's all go ahead and open up our hearts and get ready to receive the word and experience life in a new way, the faith way. We are, oh, there you go, he found me. We're updating our whole thing, so be patient with us. Hopefully next week we're going to have a, our online church, this is for our online church announcement, in-house, you guys could care less, but 
Next week, we'll, we're hopefully, we'll have a new camera system. We're kicking it up a bit. You know, we started Facebook Live during, like, we really ramped it up during COVID to try to provide it, but now we're seeing that it's growing. Our online church is growing. So we've upgraded our camera system, you know, to a little better system. So excuse all the little growing pains online, church, if you're having some issues, you know. It'll get better, I promise you. So glory to God. All right, so this morning, favorite things I, got, I like to do as a pastor. There's things you do as a pastor I don't like. I don't like to do funerals so nobody die, okay? But the good thing about doing Christian funerals, we know where everybody's at. We've never done a funeral where it's like, dude, I wonder where this guy went, you know? But one of the joys is presenting babies, you know, and um, I think it's just, you know, in a time where there's just so much confusion and so much, ugh, you know, the news is so weird. And Think about 10 years ago, if somebody said alien invasion, you would be like, what you've been smoking, dude. Now it's like all over the news, right? So it's a crazy time. But you know, one of the highlights is hope. And hope is, is to, to, you know, when you have a baby and a child, that's one of the, the things that my grandkids add to me all the time. It's just that energy and, and that, you know, just hope for the future. That's the thing about babies. So without taking any more time, let's go ahead and present um, Manuel Gonzalez the second, correct? Yeah. All right. So the parents, have you all come up here? And there are you go ahead and stand with me just to honor them. And, you know, in the Bible, I'm not going to take a lot of time, but as they come up here and... You guys want to come here? Anybody else want to come here? No padrinos, Manuel Gonzalez, and Alexandra Narvaez. All right, okay. Well, praise God. So, as you know, you know, in the, in the Bible, Jesus, you know, some people ask, um, you know, what's the difference between christening? I just want to clear this up because, you know, we have multi-backgrounds. You know, people grew up in different backgrounds of religion and so forth. So, there's really no, nothing wrong. The idea is you present a baby to her, you know, in, in some traditions, the method is Catholic, they christen, and, you know, but the Bible says Jesus was presented to the temple, and then in a further point in his life, and further point in all of our lives, we consider water baptism. That's the next step of commitment that you do. So that's what we're going to do today, and we're going to present Manuel Gonzalez, the second. Boy, he's got a good name. All right, can I carry him? See if he wants me. Hey, buddy. I'm good with babies. Trust me. There's only one of my grandkids that still doesn't know that I'm amazing. He's like, I'm a little nervous. Let's go ahead and pray for him this morning. Let's just, you know, reach out your hand to honor this family and honor this child. Father, I just thank you so much in the name of Jesus. That, Father, these things are a blessing to us. That, Father, these, these children bring hope in a time where there's just so much stuff. And, Father, I know that these kids will face who knows what. But I know one thing. They'll face it with your spirit. And, they'll, and Father, from the top of his head to the soles of his feet, I bless him. I bless Manuel, I bless this child, and I speak life and health over his life. No weapon formed against him will prosper. No tongue that is raised in judgment shall condemn him. And he will walk blessed. He will walk blessed of the Lord every single day of life. We dedicate him to you and to your glory, Lord. Let this child always have an honor and respect for you in every way. And Father, as I pray for Alexandra and Manuel, Father, I just thank you in the name of Jesus that as parents, Father, we have a huge responsibility to instruct the child in the way that he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart. And every child has its own personality and its own needs. And I bless her. I bless Father as a mom that she will know even before he knows what he needs. I believe that this will be a supernatural thing in her, that she will recognize the Holy Spirit, and this child will be raised properly with the respect that he deserves. And he will always respect his parents. He will always respect his mom. And Father, the father figure, in such a time where fathers are absent, Father, I thank you that this family is complete. You want to go back to your dad? Here. As I continue to pray, he's like, I've had enough of that preacher. 
And Father, I just thank you for him, and I just thank you, Father, that this family is blessed. And he will do right, and he will raise a child right, and he will guide him and teach him everything. And this family is blessed in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Well, congratulations, guys. Have a picture? <laughs> thank you, church. You want another picture? Wait, hang on. One more. You may be seated, congregation. Thank you. All right. Praise God. That was a blessing. We're going to grow this church one way or the other. Just keep making them. Glory to Jesus. You know, it's funny when I had my, you know, Caden was, she was my grandkid, you know, forever. He was the number one. There was nobody else. Then Ayana showed up, and then all these years passed, and now it's, it went from two to six somehow. I don't know how that happened, but glory to God. Amen. It's a blessing. Okay, I want you to open your Bibles. We're going to start a little bit different place, and I don't have the same outline as yesterday. So, I mean, last week's outline, by the way. I didn't, um, we're still working on it. And I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. And we're going to start here. And as most of you know, we've been talking about, you know, brain break for over a month and understanding, you know, these things. So we've got some good reports, and hopefully, you know, what I do want to share right now to our online church and those in-house, um, if anything that we do as, as a church, this is really important for everybody, for our praise and worship leadership, for leadership as a whole, if any area of this church from the word to, you know, children's ministry, if any area has blessed you, make sure you comment. Make sure you put it up there, you know, because that for the, the people that serve is everything. And for me, it's everything, you know, um, just to know that, that we are making a difference. And especially in this series, because this is such a, you know, such a, I don't say touchy subject, but, you know, when you talk about mental health and we've already talked about the stigmas and all that, but it's really important to approach it from the, from the Bible. You know, there, there's, and I, and I balance, most of you know me, how I do things, you know, I look at it from the, if you want to call it scientific, medical, I, I don't like to, you know, the word secular, maybe it's a little harsh word for that, but I study things from both angles always. I don't, I don't, I'm not that guy. Everything through a spiritual lens I think is incorrect also. You can, you can get into some really weird stuff. If everything in your life, you just try to process it through a spiritual lens. Spirituality is not to be processed through lens. Spirituality is the spirit of God guiding you in the natural world. So, you know, that's, how, that's where the balance is. And if you're not careful, and I don't want to get on a tangent on that, but it can get weird. So the, the idea of mental health, and, and, you know, H did a great job last week kind of introducing. But, but the thing is, you know, if, if, you, if you are sick of anything, if you've got a headache, it's okay to pray, but it's also okay to take Tylenol. Y'all okay with that? You don't get all, you know, condemnation. Now, if you've got faith, put your hands on, the headache's gone. Glory to God, that, that works. Well, as we go, you know, we've made a little silly joke. If your arm's broken, you can believe God to repair it, and he could, and the Bible is, is, has these testimonies. But more than likely, most of us are going to run to the ER. Come on, just be, let's just be honest, Chris. So, so, you know, that's a balance between spirituality and think. But then when you get to the idea of mental health, we say, well, that's, I, th- I just got to figure this thing out or, you know, wish it away into the cornfield. Or, if you, you know, you find yourself where your life is not, I guess, bottom line, you're not enjoying it, you know, you, you struggle through days. And I'm, I'm, I, every week i got to do this because we have new listeners and new people watching. So there's an area where there's a biological aspect to mental health, which has to be addressed biologically, meaning through medical science and so forth and so on. So that one, you know, we leave it. And God heals everything, but don't, like what I said, you know, if you're on a treatment, don't get off of it as a sign that, well, God's going to heal me, I'm going to throw this away. That's not how it works. You know, you'll find a day when you don't need anything. 
And I said a comment last week, and I didn't, you know, it's kind of because we had like tag team preaching last week. But it is important because when you, when, you, when you go into this thing, you know, you become your spiritual person. So when you're struggling with anxiety, depression, or just the darkness season in your life, and you go to God and say, God, help me. And you don't, you're not getting the release or the relief. That should be your indicator to say, okay, is it more about praying or is it about seeking wisdom? Follow this thought, because a lot of times, I'm just going to pray, I'm going to pray. That's wonderful. We pray. We are a praying church. But in prayer, one thing you want to ask is for wisdom. Proverbs says wisdom is the principal thing, the principal thing. So as you're struggling, and then you're, you, you ask God, you know, you, you have to recognize these things in your life. Say, look, I'm, 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 you know, I'm yelling at everybody, I'm angry about this, you know, emotional stuff's going on. That's where you make the pause. You say, okay, Lord, where do we go from here? And, and that's where he'll teach you natural and spiritual things. So kind of as an introduction, I want to start, we're still on, on the idea of emotional intelligence, and we're going to kind of jump into it, but I want to start with this one. So Hebrews chapter 12, it's not on the screen, just look it up. It's really interesting scripture, and it kind of summarizes a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about. And it reads this way, it says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Now, we've talked a lot about that, and, and to make every effort in, from the original con, um, language, from the, this, this, actually, the book of Hebrews was written in Hebrew, it wasn't written in Greek. So from the original language, it, it's a hunting term. It's hunt. Hunt peace with everyone. In, in other words, seeking peace should be, become like the number one pursuit of a believer's life. And then he goes on about without holiness. And we, we spent, a couple months ago, we spent a lot of time on this. So I'm not going to go there. But then it begins to open something really interesting. See that no one falls short of the grace of God. Well, that statement right there is, is pretty, you know, pretty, if you, if you just pull it out, here's, what's, here's where the problem exists in, in most people's thinking. Because the grace of God, first of all, is free. That's a good amen. You know, you're, you're not, you don't have to pay to get to heaven. You don't have to pay to do anything. You know, so if... God offers you the free gift of grace, and grace is basically his favor, unmerited favor. You didn't deserve it. You know, you, you got favor. Favor for what? Favor for whatever you need. You know, so when he says the same, says, no one falls short of the grace of God, the problem is not with the grace. Pay attention to this statement. Grace is just grace. Now, the problem of us falling short of what, the, of what grace can do, because in grace is everything you need. Grace is what gave you the ability to, to come, you know, from a wrecked life and say, Jesus, come into my life. I don't really understand this thing. You could do this right now if you're not born again. I don't really understand all this, but I know I need some help. God says, I got it. That's it. You mean I don't? No, nope, that's it. Well, what about my sinful life? Well, we'll work on that. From now on, it's, you know, we'll work on that. But, but as far as you being saved, it has nothing to do with your sin. It has to do with your acceptance. All right? Why is this important? Because listen to the next statement. Let me, let me put it in context. See that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. So here's a little interesting thing now because he says, see that no one falls short of the grace of God. In other words, the grace is... is so if I, if I could say it this way, let's say... Trying to find an illustration. Let's say if that speaker was the grace of God, and I'm walking towards the guy, I'm not going to make y'all laugh, but let's say I just, I'm almost there, and then I just trip. <laughs> and I'm on my face, and I'm like this far from the grace. Ah! 
and like, God, you never helped me. God, you never did this. No, God didn't do anything. His grace is just there. The one that fell short was us. Now, so here is what I want to break down, because when we talk about emotional intelligence and managing emotion, this one right here is one of the biggest things that people, that people get damaged in their emotions, or they can't handle it. And if you want a modern word of this, you know that, you know that in, in psychology, they, they actually, it's funny because a lot of this stuff is in the Bible. I, like, I keep saying people probably found it and stole it and called it themselves, you know. But there is a thing called root of bitterness within the secular world. Isn't that interesting? And you know they pulled it out of here because there's nowhere else in the world that I've ever heard this idea except in the Bible. But in that context, so where they're going to, they're going to call it resentment. They're going to call it, you know, unresolved guilt. But what's interesting about this one, I should have maybe started, but I really felt to start here, is that this one covers a lot of the area of emotions, a lot of them. So it's, it's not just one emotion, it carries a lot of them. So let me give you some, before, I, before I, I really get into the preaching part of it, let me give you some fun facts. So there are, studies say there's somewhere between, there's all different perspectives. I found one that says there's eight emotions that you've got to deal with. There's another one that says there's 18. But the, the one that I found the best was 123. I'm like, okay, that's a lot of work. And um, man, I'm not going to read them, but there's 123 different kind of emotions, you know, according to... So before we, we break this down, the emotional part of us, emotional intelligence... Give me the, give me the first slide. See if I can blend them, RJ, so we can kind of get a rhythm here. I'm trying to find where we kind of left. It's going to be like the fifth or sixth slide, I think. But um, let me bring it up here on my computer. So emotional intelligence is just... The, the, the ability to manage your emotions, and, and this one I, I really wanted to get to this week, but we probably won't, so we might hit next week. But the key one, so it's, it's to learn to manage your emotions and to learn to manage the emotions of others. And that's really important because, you know, you can have a perfectly fine day, and then somebody else is having an emotional issue. Have you been there? Your day is great until you ran into this person. And all their emotional <laughs> luggage is now on you. It's been dumped on you. So emotional intelligence is being able to manage your own emotions and, and, and recognize them and be able to manage and recognize the emotions of other people. So that's pretty good. So one of the key scriptures is, is Galatians 5, and it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And I don't want to break all that one down, but it really is one fruit. Remember this. I said this last week. So if you want a picture, imagine a, a tangerine or an orange. It's got slices. Because the, the, a lot of people say the, the fruits... The fruits of the Spirit. It doesn't say it, it says a fruit. And there's a, there's a really important reason why it's only one, because when we look at fruits of the Spirit, and this is, a, uh, this is human nature and its tendency, and it's, and it's a tendency in Christianity, you look at this and say, well, you know, I got peace or I got joy, but then you find yourself, you know, you're not a very kind person. Maybe you're rough around the edges or, you know, you're just blunt. You know, I'm speaking for myself now, right? You just say things, you, and you're like, well, that's just my personality. But I got the other ones taken. That doesn't work that way. You've got to develop the fruit. That's why it's one fruit. I don't want to spend a lot of time, but you see it. So all these are things that people can tell. But some of these, or if not most of them, have an angle of an emotional side to it. You know, when you got joy, you show an emotion of happiness or laughter and so forth. You know, you got peace. Most people can figure out, hey, you know, this guy, you know, he's got inner peace or whatever. You know, forbearance, I don't know if that's really an emotion. That's more like, you know, patience. and Kindness can be expressed, right, emotionally. Um, 
gentleness, of course, and if the last one, which is self-control. And that is controlling yourself, which the primary area of this control is the emotional arena. You hear that? Because a thought, like we talked a lot about this, and you know, H brought it up last week, a thought will come, and one of the things you can learn as a Christian, not every thought is yours. Actually, most thoughts aren't yours. And that thought will create an emotion. It, I mean, I, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, if, if I find a picture, like I've shared a few weeks ago, a picture of my mom, you know, she passed away in 2002, and I look at it long enough, I'll get nostalgic motion, and if I keep thinking, I start reminiscing, thinking stuff, and pretty soon I'll be crying. So even though she's, you know, been in heaven a very long time, your thought process and your emotions can take something that's 20 years old, think how powerful your mind is, and make you live it to the point where you get completely emotional about it. Like if it was in your present. So this is, you know, so this is, so emotional intelligence is the ability to recognize these things. Now, let's go back. I just, I needed to to put this there. And go back to your scripture in Hebrews. Just just keep, or, you know, if you want to listen to me, go back to. Because this is really one of the things that I I was, because I was trying to say, how do you, you know, approach it? You know, we, we have, I have a lot of things I could tell you. One of the things that, that helps helped me a lot, and I've said it almost every week, I'll say it again for those that haven't been watching, boy, and it helped me again this week, is emotions are temporary. Remember that. Emotions are just temporary, but words aren't. So you've got to make sure you be careful what words fly out of your mouth while you're having an emotional moment, because the emotion will come and go, but if you, you'll say things that aren't going to come and go. They're going to stay. And that little thing, it's a little lie, it's a little nursery rhyme lie that has damaged a lot of people, that whole thing, idea of sticks and stones will break my bones and words will never hurt me, that's a lie. That is not true. I'd rather get hit with sticks and stones sometimes because at that, you know, I'll bruise. A couple of days later, it's gone. Words will stay with you the rest of your life. Amen. So, you know, all these things begin to wrap up. So your words are connected emotionally. So pretty soon you're saying, what, everything? Yeah. <laughs> we are emotional people. And, I, you know, some people try to say, well, you've got to be able to, Control, you know, or, or negate your emotions. For example, anger, you shouldn't be angry. Well, the Bible says, be angry, sin not. So the, even the word doesn't say, get rid of anger. You see, I had a, tons of anger issues, and if I'm not careful, I still do. You know, before Jesus, I was a very angry person. But anger is an emotion or an expression of emotion that in the right context is not a sin. So you don't want to get rid of anger. Jesus got angry. But the Bible says he never sinned. So we, you know, we gotta, so, so you can't just say, control your anger. Yeah, really? How? Or, or, you know, dominate it. No, anger is an emotion. What you've got to recognize is what triggers it before the emotion. That's emotion intelligence. When you can begin to see things before they hit you, you're like, ah, because most of us have never heard this. So we grew up in life in a completely reactive way. It's every, everything's reactive. Boom, 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 boom. There's never a pause. And one of, the, one of the quotes I put up this week on Facebook, I just, you know, throw a little random quotes, and one of my, I'm telling you, this is one of my heroes. You know, he's, he's dead, and he's not necessarily a Christian guy, but the, the, his, the things that he wrote, the things that he stood for, the things that he's done, Viktor Frankl, um, survivor of a Holocaust, Holocaust survivor, and he talks about how he got through these, these death camps and a lot of it, one of, one of, his, one of the statements that, that is just 
you know, phenomenal is really the ability, I'm not, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna read it, I don't have it up here, so, but it was the ability to, to have that space in you between the reaction. And if you could, in other words, you would face yourself with something and there would be a moment where you could decide where, you, where you've grown up in this and say, hmm, I have a choice now. I have a choice to blow up or I have a choice to breathe or I have a choice to think about it or I have a choice to walk away. I have a lot of choices. But that is the ability that comes with the training. So the more you do it, oh, you begin to recognize it. And, and you begin to put it where it needs to be. So going back to this, the, the idea of this one, and again, it's not on the slides, but there's just a lot of stuff I want to break down here. In, in Book of Hebrews, so th- this idea, because this is the one thing I'm going to talk to you about this morning, and it's um, dealing with what, you know, what the Bible calls the root of bitterness. Because the root of bitterness um, really covers, and I, I was actually, I'm trying to go through, you should see these notes. It's like, so I, I found, this is me, you know, let's see if i so I was trying to decide, how many emotions can I find in that one, in just that one idea? Because instead of trying to tackle and control all, you know, five or six emotions, and maybe if I can find out one and, and settle that one, it will do away with five. You see where I'm going? So Hebrews, really, the, the modern word for root of bitterness would really be more like resentment. And to give you an idea... The root of bitterness can be seen, this is just a note here, as a deep-seated anger. This is actually the psychological perspective, which is interesting. Can be seen as a deep-seated anger or resentment towards someone or something that has been left unresolved for a long time. This unresolved anger can take a root in a person's heart and grow into pervasive bitterness that affects their thoughts, feelings, and behavior. One more note. The root of bitterness can be caused by many different factors, such as unresolved conflict, unfulfilled expectations, unmet needs, or a sense of injustice or betrayal. Now you begin to see how much stuff is in there. So here's a question to you before we go, because this is, you know, we're in church. We're not in a, this is not a therapy office. Can, do you have something in you that you could say, huh, that might be a root? Because it could come in different flavors. You know, it's not, you know, why don't I, I'm done with that? No, you know, because childhood trauma, abandonment, abuse, uh, you went through a bad divorce, uh, your best friend betrayed you, ran off with your husband. You know, you could go through a list of stuff. Backstabbers. Anything else. All those things, if they're not resolved within your, you know, the thing, the, your mindset, it's going to drop a little seed. And just like a little plant, it's going to begin to grow. And the longer you leave that little root grow, it's going to be the harder to uproot. You know, you ever, you ever try to dig up an old mesquite tree? No, I don't take it. You've never tried to do it. I've never tried it. I mean, if I do it, I do it with a backhoe, all right? But a little mesquite tree about this size, the tap root's about this size, right, Freddie? And if you want to go big, forget it. <laughs> Those roots just come and come. They just keep coming. You knock the tree down, and roots are just like, you have a hole this size by the time you're done. And the tree was this big, like, what happened? Because those roots will go deeper and deeper. Well, the root of bitterness is really a justification. Pay attention now. Of what peop- about, about what people do to you. Well, they did this to me. Okay. So I've chosen a root of bitterness over a resolve. So it plants. Well, you know, you don't pay much attention to it. Something else happens in life. You take another resentment. Huh. They let me down. My boss didn't give me the promotion. Another little seed. 
you know, something happens. You know, you started a business, your best friend ripped you off. Betrayal. Oh, another little scene. Before you know it, and this is what's interesting, before you know it, you've got a whole forest of stuff going on. And I think that's one of the, a lot of problems, because emotional intelligence now would be, first of all, remember what I told you? Emotional intelligence is very simple. Recognize your emotions, recognize emotions in others. That's all. Manage them. If, it, if the word intelligence seems too big, just put emotional management. Well, what happens if we, don't, if we haven't resolved the root of bitterness? Because the, the emotions that I've came up with, uh, let me see. Anger, disappointment, betrayal, hurt, powerlessness, fear, sadness, Um, man, I could find a whole much more, but if we just want to start with those, think about all those emotions. So let's back up to something. So now you're in a, now I'm, just, I'm just walking you through this. So you're in a situation where you are very, this is me, I'm talking about, I can't talk about you because you'll get mad, but I'll talk about me. You get irritated very easily. Why? Some, <clears throat> nothing goes your way. <clears throat> you know, the kids don't do something. <clears throat> Where's that? You got, you know, that's the moment you stop. Why am I being irritated? That's, that's emotional intelligence. You've you got to make that stop. Say, this is dumb. Why am my body wants to just everything? Well, if you wait and you, and you begin to find the process, you're going to really find out that somebody did something to you somewhere in your life that caused that attitude. That wasn't, you weren't born with that. I mean, your whole life you might have had it. And you've had it so long that you just think it's part of you. Maybe you have, that's one thing that I've had. You know, I have, I have to resolve, you know, a lot of critical aspect of looking at things. And that was just the way I was raised. You know, my dad was always about criticizing everything. My mom wasn't like that. But, so that kind of puts in you. Then I realized, I didn't recognize it until, you know, I started studying something. I go, huh, well, there you go, Mr. Box. That's what you need to fix. So I put it there, right? Now I see it. Guess what? I can address it. So question. And don't answer. But you, you, you need to start answering as I'm preaching. Where... Can you identify a root of bitterness? Is there an unresolved pain? Is there an unresolved, you know, whatever? Because if we can get to that one, we're going to take care of about seven different emotions that you won't have to deal with. Because anger, you know, and that, that's, a, that's an interesting one, because if, if anger is not a sin, but anger has, is, it can be so destructive, where is the angle of it? You know, be angry and sin not. And I'm going to quote a lot of scriptures. You guys know it's in the Bible. Another thing that, that Paul said about anger, he said, don't let the sun go down on it. What do you think? You know when plants grow the most? At night. That's when they're taking all the nutrients. I mean, not, they're not, you know, but this when they're absorbing something. They're, get, they're getting ready. And the next day when that sun hits them, they go, wah. Well, at night, it's not just don't go to sleep, but, it, but that idea, don't let the sun go down on your anger, means make sure you don't give a time for the seed to germinate. That's really what it is. Don't give it time. So emotional intelligence says, am I angry? Because anger is this. Let me, let me clarify. If I'm in a situation where I have to protect my family, you know, from, you know, whatever attack, bears are coming. We don't have bears in South Texas. But, you know, let's just say a bear is attacking us, you know. I'm going to need anger because anger is going to kick up my adrenaline, fight or flight stimuli, it's going to be, but the thing is, that is good for what it's supposed to be. To give me extra strength, to give me extra power, to make, you know, decide what I do with all this extra energy. 
But a lot of people, that's the only reason it's there. But if you don't manage it, then you are, you, it, com, it becomes a root of bitterness. It becomes a tree. And now you're just angry all the time. And guess what? Your body's not designed for that. Your body's producing chemicals that are only supposed to be produced in a time of high stress. And if you're not dealing with it in times of low stress, you are hurting your body. Stress causes cancer. Stress causes a lot of things. And your cells recognize this. So we have to understand all these. And I'm just picking anger as one of emotion, because anger is, you know, we all deal with it in some form or fashion. So the sin not basically means the righteous anger. You know, somebody does something, you know, against Christianity, or somebody, you know, mocks God, and you feel, ugh, anger. You're not going to go kill somebody, but you just felt that. That would be a biblical. Jesus went into the temple, and he was angry. And he, actually, he was, that was premeditated. Today, he'd go to court for that. Because he went the day and built a whip, and then came back, and then beat him up. So he, for two days, he was angry. Nonetheless, the Bible says he never sinned. It was, he, was, he was righteous anger over God's word. So that's a pretty about the only one. Anything else out of those two scenarios where you're flight or fight or you're just standing up for righteousness, then anger is not valid. Because the only other place where it's going to fit is going to connect to a place called vengeance. And unless the vengeance is, is satisfied, the anger won't be satisfied. So now we have an emotion causing an action that potentially could get you sent to prison. <laughs> you see how emotion's out of control now? So you start looking at this, and, and so next time you get upset, I'm just giving you guys a next time you get upset, don't say, well, I, I, I'm supposed to be angry. Say, what's the root? It's not, I'm, not, I'm not blowing up because, you know, my child spilled the milk. That might be the expression, and the poor kid doesn't, you know, he's three years old, and you're yelling your head off. He doesn't deserve that. He, he, it was an accident. You okay with that? Don't raise your hand, but we've, we've been there where we were dealing with our frustrations, and the only thing where the frustration could be expressed is when the kid messed up. I mean, you want, a, you want a real church, or you just want a bunch of fluff? I can give you fluff all day. Or do you want something to get home and fix something? We all deal with this stuff. So what are we doing? As after today, you, you should be able to recognize it. You should feel that, because, it, you know, at least in my experience, I never, you know, some people say, well, I go from zero to 100. Yeah, but it's not like that. It builds. It builds. It's not like, oh, I'm just having a lovely, flowery, peaceful day, and then I'm going to destroy everything. It builds. And, and I don't know about you, but I can feel it. It's almost like it comes on me, like, like the Hulk, right? And that's the moment that emotional intelligence kicks in. Whoa, what's that? You know, and, and if you pause it, you remember these words, emotions are temporary. And I'll tell you people, once you begin, because, you know, I've, done, I've given anger management classes. I've talked to people who had anger issues. I've talked to myself, which I've had anger issues. But at the end of the day, if you can just recognize it as something that's coming down the, the line, you can stop it in its tracks. The thing is, most of us, since nobody has really taught us any of this, we, we just think it's part of our psyche. We just think it's just, that's the way I am. That's the way I've always been. That's the way I was when I was a child. No. Because even, you know, whatever you were, when you say, Jesus, come into my life, guess what? He puts that little thing on you now and says, yeah, yeah, but we're going to work on some fruit. That's Christianity. You know, Christianity is about we're messed up, but we have a path to kind of fix some things. And, I, you know, Christianity is not just, you know, if Christianity was about getting to heaven, all we need is one church service. 
and we're done. We don't even need a church service. If you have a revelation that Jesus Christ is Lord and you accept him, that's your ticket. If you want to say, I'm not so, so low, but that's your key to heaven. That's it. We don't need churches. We don't need anything else. But why do we have this? Because Jesus said, yes, I will give you a place to heaven. But while you live here in the stinky little earth, I will make a path to make it livable. I will make a path to give it meaning in your life. I will make a path where you will make a difference in somebody's life in a positive way. That is really, because, you know, getting to heaven is pretty easy. Getting filled with the Holy Spirit is not even that hard. Praying in tongues is wonderful. But living the Christian life on a day-to-day basis, year after year after year after year, and staying faithful and staying focused is something that says a lot about you. But that's Christianity. So you come to church. You don't get condemnation, because I I know what's going on. It goes on in my spirit, too. As I'm preaching to this, I'm thinking of a little thing that happened a couple days ago where I need to apply, and and I know what you guys are like, what is it? Mm -mm. You're not getting that one. But since I'm teaching it, and it's fresh, and I'm studying it all week, I'm like, oh, there you go. So I'm learning with you. But the root of bitterness comes in so many, you know, many categories, and this is where, where we want to talk. So resentment, let, let, me, let, me just, let me just break this down a little bit, because the idea of resentment is holding on to something, pay attention to this, that you have absolutely no control over, that you, you're just going to hold on to. That resentment of whatever you resent, Whatever they did to you, whatever didn't go your way, whatever, whoever betrayed you, but all these things, here is the question. Why are you holding on to it? And I'll tell you, I'm not telling you what the answer is. You are holding on to resentment. The primary reason you're holding on to resentment is fear of getting hurt again. So you create a protection to say, okay, if I just you know, insulate myself with anger and resentment, then nobody else can hurt me. Well, that's a lie because people, they don't care. That person might not hurt you, but somebody else will hurt you. So you've got to make sure to say, that is not the Christian way. You guys are quiet this morning. Because the only, heal, the, the only way you can get the root of bitterness is to recognize it. It's just like, it's just like a garden. You're, you're growing beautiful you know, plants or vegetables, and all of a sudden the weeds start popping up. What are you going to do? Just let them alone? I mean, if you're a gardener, you're not going to just let the weeds there. Uh, that's all right. I'll just, no, because the weeds are going to kill everything else. You go in there. And you start digging out, and you're tending to your garden. And that really is the Christian walk. You know, we're not going from, from zero messed up to perfection. We're just on a daily walk, daily walk, daily walk. And the more I recognize this, I'm like, hey, that resent... And you know what? That happened to me in my childhood. You go back to that. And you don't need a shrink to do this. You just need the Holy Spirit. Because guess what? The one thing you heard all year in this church is faith is always now. It's present. And your life is always now. And your whole life is this. I, I, I beat this thing down because this is the one thing, if you can put your head here, then anger gets pretty resolved because anger is never in the present moment. Anger came from somewhere. It could go all the way back to your childhood. And I'm using anger as, as a point, but it's, it's resentment, unforgiveness. All these things go with it. And you go, you know what? I'm a born-again believer. I have to believe that I am a new creation. I just have to believe it. I have nothing feels different. My head is still full of junk, whatever. But I have to believe that all old things have passed away. You with me? That's the scripture, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Once I release my faith into that, even though there's no difference in my life, 
then you're giving a place for the Holy Spirit to say, okay. And it's amazing, because the Holy Spirit, I wish he would just come and zap me and make me good, but it's never like that. He gives me tips, and he gives me directions, and he gives me, now you can fix this. And year after year, day after day, line up, you know, pretty soon you go back and I'll, you, know, you hit the rewind button, you're going, wow, you know, I was this person when I met Jesus in 1992, and now, you know, 30 years later, I still got a lot of work, but I'm a better person. I have a better perspective to life. I can handle crisis better. I can handle, you know, anger better. I can handle all my emotions better. So that is what we're pursuing. So the root of bitterness is really one of the biggest things that you want to dig out. Okay, so I want to I want to give you some things on how to find this because like the whole really I had a whole the actually 2 days ago the Lord started planting all these ideas. So let me give you some scriptures. I'm sorry about the, the notes. If we get to them, we'll get to them. But this is, this is good. You getting something out of it this morning? You guys are very quiet. All right. Come on. So many notes here. Just got to dig up. If I ever preached a message with my notes, we'd be here for three days, guys. Trust me. All right. Let's go. Again, just follow me with your Bible because I, I don't have the scriptures up there. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 through 27. And then we're going to jump into verse 31 of the same chapter. Listen to this. That's the scripture I've been quoting all morning. If you anger, do not sin. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Now, this is a modern translation, as you know. And do not give the devil a foothold. <laughs> if you don't want the devil in your life, you better deal with anger. Because that's one of his footholds. Amen. Some of you are not going to say amen for nothing. I am done. You're, you're, you're already angry because I'm saying this, you know. You devil you. Um, let's look at verse 31. Let all bitterness... Wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. That's a big scripture. We would preach that one all day, right? Think, look at the list. And they're all, they're all go hand in hand. They're all brothers. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking. So now you have, they all go together. So when you're angry, you're not just mad. Eventually, you're going to talk trash about somebody. No, I could go oh, like. You've never been angry and kept your mouth shut just completely. Yeah, no, usually you're angry. Barking at everybody and talking trash, you know, and telling everybody what they got to do and all that. Okay. So now we have anger and resentment. In those scriptures, you have anger, and you see the resentment, the bitterness, the wrath, the clamor, the evil speaking. Okay, Proverbs 13, 12. We're going to shotgun down these, and I'm going to give you a few steps, and then I'm going to get you out of here, hopefully. Yeah, a few steps. It'll take me 30 minutes to get through a few steps. Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred. Stop. What does that mean? You've lost hope. Your hope's not where it needs to be. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hopelessness makes you sick. We're not done. Listen, it's amazing how Proverbs in one little scripture can say so much. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. What is he dealing with there? 
the consequences of, of the root. The other one is disappointment. So hope is always something that you need to keep alive. You know, we presented this beautiful child, and I said it right, hope, to me, babies always bring hope. Their joy, their energy, they're not mad at the world like we all are. You know, they could care less. There's a war in Ukraine. They don't care about nothing like that. They always bring hope. Okay, betrayal. That's all part of resentment. Psalm 41.9 says, even my close friend, someone I trusted, one who shared my bread, has turned against me. It's there, you know, the psalmist dealt with it. Guess who dealt with it? Jesus. You've ever been betrayed? You've ever somebody let you down big time? Get over it because, guess what? You're not better than Jesus. That should help you. I'm not making fun. That should help you. If you've ever been betrayed, look at the cross. Look at Judas. All right? Hurt. Well, I've been hurt, Pastor. All right, give me I want one for you. Psalm 147.3. Have you been hurt? These are your instructions. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Brokenhearted, brokenhearted, Let's, let's deal with that one, because we've all dealt with that one in some form or fashion. When you were a child, you know, you lost your toy and you got brokenhearted. Brokenhearted is just an emotion. But it can become a condition. Pay attention now. Brokenheartedness is an emotion. But it can become a condition. And that's another root. We all go through stuff that hurts us, you know, but guess what? The anointing... According to Luke chapter 4, verse 18, says Jesus was anointed to heal the brokenhearted. Isn't that amazing? But brokenhearted is an absolute emotional condition. It's a place of depression. It's a place of sadness. It's a place of confusion. It's a place of, you know, I trusted you. Because trust is one of the most, the things that hurt the most is when you give somebody your trust and they just crumple up and throw it away. That's one of the most painful things you can feel. Because, you know, trust is that very special thing that everyone carries. So, Yes, betrayal is a thing, but you don't have to, you know, the psalmist talked about. And then Psalm 147, verse 3, is the answer to that. He heals the broken heart and binds up their wounds, Psalm 147, verse 3. So you have, yes, there's betrayal, yes, there's brokenness, but there is hope. Well, what, what, what about injustice? Does injustice, that one moves me a lot. You know, that's probably one of the reasons we do what we do in missions and all that. But, you know, injustice, you, you know, you did everything, and then somebody played you wrong or whatever. Root of bitterness. Okay, so what's the answer to that one? Learn to do right. I'm sorry, let me give you the scripture. Isaiah 117. It says, learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, and please the case of the widow. And, and it's not about you going on some, you know, militant agenda to fix it. This is what it means is find meaning. Have meaning in your life. You know, one of the, the key factors, and I've studied that they find... They've studied societies, and it's amazing, this, the research I've done and, and come up with, but like, like H said, America's probably the most depressed country in the world. And we have everything more than anybody, so it's kind of weird. But they went through societies, and they, and they were trying to, you know, they find which were like the, the happiest people on earth. And one of the, the attributes that they found was, was on this one, you know, they had, I'm not, not on this one, in other words, one of the attributes people had was people had meaning in their life. In other words, when people lose meaning, you have a tendency to go to the depression. Because once you don't have meaning, well, then what do you do with your life? So having meaning, and meaning doesn't mean, you know, big, grand, so I'm just going to go change the world. You could be as simple as, the purpose of my life is make sure my family is raised right. How about that meaning in your life? And, and focus on that and make sure, you know, they get the principles of God and, 
lawyer, you know, all, all the foundations and their values are correct. That gives people meaning. It can be as simple as raising your family right. But it goes beyond that. So everyone should have meaning in their life because these are, these are you know, the answers to a lot of these things. And then I'll give you one more. You know, one of the things that comes with resentment is a feeling of powerlessness. You know, when, you, when you have the root of bitterness, and, and how many, you know, don't raise your hand, but you know, you've felt like you've got to deal with something, but you've been dealing with so much that you're, you don't have any energy left. So you're just like, you know, let it run now even though that's not the best decision. Well, that is also part of emotional intelligence, you know, that, that lack of energy. So what does the Bible say about that? For God has not given us a spirit of fear. That, I mean, right there, and listen to this, but of power and of love, and the big one, sound mind. You see, God, in, in his infinite wisdom, gave you these things. Now, society and all these things kind of twist our thinking and mess us up, but, the, but what God said at the beginning is still there. You, you say, well, I have a lot of mental issues. Yes, yeah, so do I, but guess what? God said we have a sound mind. And he also said we have the mind of Christ. So one of the things that Christian, you know, I guess the ultimate goal of a Christianity, I don't know, you know, there's a lot of stuff of what the ultimate goal is, but I think the ultimate goal is to be like him. I think that's the, you know, at the end of all, every church and Christian church, I think that should, you know, I want to be like Jesus, you know, you know my life, you know, WWJD, what, you know, what did Jesus do? Well, that's the example. You know, if we are pursuing this, then you recognize, I have a sound mind. I, and I'm telling you, when your mind is going crazy with like negativity and anger and emotional stuff, pray these to say, Lord, I have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. And maybe that's the pause that you need to get that emotion back where it needs to be. Because when you begin to speak word, <laughs> you change everything up. You know, because people, you want to talk about what spirituality looks like? Spirituality, one of, the, one of the spiritual people is their response is not based on anything else but the word. They're not walking around with a big old Bible with their name on it. They're not walking white tunic with their eyes rolled back. They just respond where they used to respond with the flesh and their emotions because their mind has been affected by Christ and the thinking that, you know, the renewal, the Bible says the renewal of the washing by the, by the word. Now you can think different. Oh, I have the mind of Christ. Where I used to get mad for this, I'm not getting mad for that anymore. Because one of the things that, that really helps you, when you begin to, to study you know, and pursue emotional intelligence, you, this is the one that, the biggest one that slapped me in the face, and I've been on this, this is word trip, you know, but, or track sounds better. Probably like three or four years, to be honest with you. But the one, you know, the, the one that gets me, it, that, it, that bothered me when I realized that it's, that I had lived so many years thinking I didn't have control over this. That's, the one that, that, that's the what made me mad, because it was really very simple. It's so hard, Pastor. No, it's because we, unless somebody brings this up, which the Bible does all the time, most of us just think that's who we are. That's just the way it is. And, since, and you'll never address it. So for many years, I carried anger and resentment, and all these things. I'm talking as a pastor, as a Christian, uh, you know, and, and, and explosive you know, attitudes and anger issues and getting irritated about everything. That one helped me. Pray for him. I'm still getting... Working on that one. And then you begin to say, wait, 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 where is this coming from? So the very first thing I learned, and it's based on 2 Timothy 1.7, was what's going on inside of me, God did not give it to me. And if God did not give it to me, then he has the answer to resolve it. Now it can be through, again, it can be through medicine, it can be through whatever, but he has the answer. Are you with me? That is what the scripture is so powerful because 
he has not given us the spirit of fear. And that one we'll preach all day because fear, guess what's in fear? Anger. That's actually one of the biggest expressions of a lot of things. I don't really think fear is an emotion, to be honest. I mean, it's kind of debatable. I, you know, from a psychiatrist, you know, psychological perspective, I guess it would be called an emotion. From a spiritual perspective, it's not an emotion. It's a spirit. <laughs> you get it? But fear controls. Fear controls everything. Fear controls society. Fear controls your house. Fear controls your emotions. So you identify, says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Okay, let's talk about root of bitterness in the context of fear. Once again, once you identify the root, you know, well, you know, somebody hurt me. Okay? You created this defense mechanism and you to protect yourself to ever be hurt again. But how does that line up with this? Because you're, what you are doing to protect yourself, you're doing it because of fear. Yes? The only reason you're doing this. You, you create a persona, you know, maybe you were abused as a child and I don't make light of any of this. But the persona that's created could be completely created because of fear. Fear of getting hurt, fear of this, fear of that. So once again, root of bitterness. Can you identify any kind of fear in your life? Anything. I mean, I'm just, you know, I've got to sleep with the lights on. How many of you, this is kind of silly, I think I'm over it, but I didn't get over it until I was old. I'd be sleeping at night, and my arm would fall off, and I'd pick it up because there's a monster under the bed. Come on, anybody? I mean, you're old and you still put your arm up. Or you close the closet door because you saw Monsters, Inc. Mess you up for the rest of your life. You can't sleep with the closet open. No? Anybody? <laughs> Job said this. The things that I have feared have come upon me. Simple as that. Fear and faith are the same thing. And when you talk about emotional intelligence... We create a lot of reactive, reactive expressions of our emotions, even a tough persona, I'm going to beat you, all this kind of stuff. But deep down inside, it's somebody that's really scared, that has really no hope. And that is telling me, and it should be telling you, that you need to spend a little time working on your relationship with Jesus. Hang out with him a little bit. Just a little bit. That is a good indicator because, because uncontrolled fear is probably one of the worst things that you can have in trying to manage emotions. Because fear will run you crazy. Because anger and fear go together. Fear is not just I'm scared. Fear is also an expression. So, God did not give you this. God did not give you a spirit of fear. So when you identify it, talk to God about it. Talk to yourself about it. Say, why is this in my life? He gave you these things. And, I, and, and says, uh, to me that should be enough. If we just would develop the three things in 2 Timothy 1.7. Power. The, the Greek word is dunamis. Which means a power that is so strong that it will change the way things are. It will alter things. It, the word dunamis is where we got our word eventually dynamite. That's how... That's, the process, because it was talking about an explosive power that will change something. So you put dynamite in a mountain, it used to be rock, now it's dust. It changed it. So you have a power within you that is capable of changing anything in your life, but God will never, ever, ever step on your will. That's where we get stuck. He'll recommend it, he'll kind of nudge you, 
but he will never force your will. Like even today, he'll give you a lot of ideas, and you'll walk out of this building and go, what? I believe by the end of the week, you'll probably be tested on about 10 things that I preach about. <laughs> You're like, oh. And that's okay, because, you know, what does a test do? It promotes you. Thank you, teachers. <laughs> yeah, that's supposed to promote you, not just torture the children, okay? Anyway. <laughs> I've got so much going on. God has not given you a spirit of fear. Point. Okay, we got dunamis, so we have his power. We're, not, we're powerless, but we have his power. Holy Spirit dunamis. We have love. Again, not I love my dog and I love hamburgers. This is agape. Unconditional love. God loves you regardless of what you do or how many times you mess up. He can't pull back his love. Humans can, but God can't. So you have that. You have his power. You have an unconditional expression of his love towards you. But then, those are the two things that he's giving you. That the next one, I've always wondered why it's there in the context. So you have to clear it up. I mean, my head's going somewhere with this. God gives me power. God gives me love. It says there he gives me a sound mind. The only problem is that it's, it's not like that. In other words, I can understand the power and I can understand the love, so why am my head so messed up? Because that's the one area that he offers it through the power and the love. You get it? God has not given you a spirit of fear. That's settled. He's given you explosive power by the Holy Spirit. He's given you his love, and by connecting one plus two, and you being open-minded and doing your part, you get the sound mind. That's how it works. Because, if, because I, if, you know, if it was just completely linear, Lord, give me your power. Well, it's, he, he, that comes with salvation, right? Lord, give me your love. That comes with salvation. How come you didn't give me a sound mind? You said there. So there has to be a connection between those two and this one because God, you know, I, you know how many wishes did Lord wake up tomorrow with a perfectly clear head and clear thinking, never have an issue, never fall into depression, never have an emotional explosion. No. He gives you those two to begin the process of letting your will because God will not let, violate your will and sound mind is up to you. You get that? He will do everything to help you think properly, but he's not going to go right into and fix it because he would have to break the will part. And that's why that scripture is. But nonetheless, this thing works. God has not given you a spirit of fear, so we remove fear. Now you have power and you have love and the consequences of moving in this, your thinking becomes better. Now here again, question answered on the inside. Hopefully, since you've become a Christian, I don't care if you've been here a week, been here 20 years, your thought process had to be affected. It had to be affected. Now if you've been in church, let's say for six months, a year, and you still absolutely have no change in your thinking, there's a problem with you. It's not God, because the word, when it is taken properly, not religion, not a sermon, cute sermon, but a word that you leave this building, and hopefully this is what this series is causing, and this week you begin to say, oh, that's anger. (laughs) That's fear. Now you begin to see how the word begins to work. And the more you practice it, the easier it gets. So your mind begins to think. That's why, the, I mean, the psalmist, Paul said, I have, you know, I have the mind of Christ. That's a huge statement. Really? The mind of Christ? What it means is you have it available to you. 
And next time somebody gets in your face and you have a chance to express yourself emotionally, you can take that little pause moment and say, I have the mind of Christ. And by doing that, you activate your will. In other words, you're putting your will where God will work with you. But as long as you reject this, God says, I love you, I love you, I love you. Well, why am I always angry? Because you don't want to give it up. And, and you begin, because, you know, and that's what H referred to, and I, I know you were referring to Romans chapter 8, right? Um, and I, I know the word he refers to is a really para something. It's a huge Greek word, but it means exactly that. When it says all things work together for good for those that are called according to the purpose of God, that, that, that scripture in Romans chapter 8, that means, and, and it's, a, it's a big, huge Greek word, I know what she's referring to, it means that the Holy Spirit has come alongside you and is willing, guess this, is to work with you. So it refers to, I give a step, the Holy Spirit gets a step. And that's a beautiful thing. You don't give a step, the Holy Spirit just waits for you to give a step. So if you are serious about saying, you know what, I need to get my life back in order. You know, I've been, I'm not, I don't have a quality of life. I'm always depressed. I'm always upset. I'm always mad at the world. My question, you know, when are you going to begin to enjoy this thing? When you get to heaven? <laughs> no, you say, I have responsibility. And whatever time I have left here on earth, I'm going to be a pursuer of peace. And I'm going to do my best to have the mind of Christ. And I'm going to begin to see the, the world in a different light and a different angle. And pretty soon, that little scripture that I always use when I close service and the peace of God that doesn't even make any sense passes all understanding. That means that your life, somebody looks at your life and they say, there is no reason for you to have peace, but nonetheless you have peace. That's what that scripture means. In other words, now you've, you're learning to live from the inside out, and in the process your emotions are getting caught up in that, in that process of living, and now you become a stable person. And guess what? People want to be around you now. People that carry peace in their heart you're a person magnet. If you don't believe me, hang around little kids. I guess I'm good at it because they all just flock all over me, my grandkids, you know. Except for Jade, I'm still working on her. But look at look, a kid will a, a kid more than an adult, because adults, you know, we lose this, I think. I don't know what age I think we lose it, but a child will sense. Even a dog will sense when you're mad. I mean you walk into the house, your dog goes, Oh crap. <laughs> Tail down. <laughs> He didn't, get a, he didn't say hello because he sensed that. Well, a child will sense this. So the more you develop peace and the more you practice emotional intelligence, the more you practice all these things we've been learning for over a month, you're going to begin, you know, the sense of peace will, in the message chance says this, will begin to surround you. And that is really my pursuit of this. That when, that when I face situations that are difficult, that are complicated, I can go back to my default. And again, guys, I'm not there yet, so if you ever see me go kick my car door someday, say, okay, Pastor, God, God's working on Pastor, okay? Just give me, cut me a little grace there, all right? Let me give you a few more. We're almost done. You getting something out of this morning? All right. <laughs> I had a couple little, I don't know, I, I like quotes a lot. I'm, it just seems like you get a lot out of quotes. Here's one. I don't know who said it, sorry. Bitterness, listen to this one, is a self-imposed prison. It keeps us from moving forward and living life fully. It's an energy that drains us and those around us from venting us from experiencing true joy and happiness. And another one by a guy named Daniel Goldman. Bitterness is a sign of emotional failure. These aren't, this guy's not a, a, I guess he's a doctor. It paralyzes our capacity to do good work and enjoy life. It keeps us focused on the past 
and, listen to this, blinds us to the present. Isn't that good? Bitterness is always about information in the past. Bitterness is always about, you know, what they did, what they said, what happened, could have been, could have been, you know, my mom, my dad, everything went bad for me. Resentment, resentment, resentment. All that's in the past. So, I'm going to give you very quickly here, hopefully, a few steps that you can begin applying. They're very, they're not, nothing deep, nothing you don't know, but take it this week, and if you recognize these things, please start working on them. <laughs> okay. Uh, da, da, da. Trying to find. Wow. Excuse me. Almost there. Here we go. <laughs> okay. Let, let's, let's do this. Okay. So the first one, obviously, and this is for every, everything in our life, when you, you got to acknowledge and identify, just t- those two words. We already talked about, like, be honest with yourself as your emotions, because emotions are reactive. So when you react emotionally to something, is it just something, how can I put, that the moment happened, that's fine, you don't have to deal with it. But if that is something reactive, like it's always the same thing, then you really do need to acknowledge it. You know, and look at yourself as a third person, for, at least for like, you know, I, I, in my house it's like a joke because, and I, and I need to fix it because I'm pretty rough on myself. I use that little, say, when I mess up, say, Mr. Box, really? I talk to myself, you know, and sometimes I answer myself, which is really weird. But um, <laughs> acknowledge you have a problem. Like look in your mirror and say, you do, you need to get... And look at it because as soon as you find it, you're on the path to fix it, okay? The biggie, biggie, biggie one. This is the whole message. Forgiveness. Okay? Now, how many scriptures do you want me to read on that one? <laughs> um, Mark eleven twenty five says, if you don't forgive those that trespassed against you, your heavenly father won't forgive you. Now, I understand that's Old Testament. Don't, we're not going to get theologically bound by that right now. But um, forgiveness is the ability to release. And that, to me, is one of the biggest things that will, will control your emotions. I mean, if, and in my life over the years, because I used to hold so much resentment and the way I was wired, and it's not a good thing, but, you know, if you did something to me, it wasn't fixed till it got fixed. You know, you, I, I, have an, I, don't like to me- I don't mess with people. I'm not out on a pursuit to hurt people. But if somebody would come against me, then it's on, and then it's about respect, and just crazy, stupid things that I used to think. And trying to manage this, you know, to acknowledge that. Say, okay. And then to begin to practice forgiveness. Somebody would hurt me, or somebody would say something, and it would just sit there and sit there, and I would chew on it and sit there. And what, what's it doing? Root of bitterness, root of bitterness, root of bitterness. So over the years, and I'm not... 100% there, but oh, I've come a long way, baby. Like the old cigarette addict. That's horrible. Um, that if you somebody hurts you in any form or fashion, even your own family, because they're the ones that hurt the best. Nobody hurts like family hurts. Come on, all right? Because they know every single little thing about you. But you make a decision, I will not be offended. And the simple decision by that means that when you are hurt, you kind of like an armadillo. You just don't let it get past the shell. It hurts, it hits, and it falls. Because if it goes through the shell, you got a root now. And that's not easy because people hurt. So what do you do? You make a choice. I will not be offended. And before we close the service this morning, I'll tell you where we're going with the Holy Spirit, you need to spend time. I'm not going to do an altar call because it's a personal thing, but as I'm heading that way, you know, we've got a few minutes left, we're going to have, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to help us forgive people. 
You might ask, you know, there might be stuff in your childhood that you don't even remember. But you know, the Holy Spirit's the best psychiatrist you could ever have. Just by opening up, he might, you know, there might be stuff in your childhood that, you don't even, that you, you've already blocked out. You know, children have a way of blocking stuff out when they're hurt. But it's, it still was there. But the Holy Spirit can come and heal that. You know, we've got we to gotta deal with these roots, church. You know, we can talk about emotional intelligence all year, but if you don't find the root, you don't find the cause, then you're just trying to control it from a mental pain. And that could be very exhausting. Because now you're just trying to play mind games with yourself. Oh, I don't want to do this. But when you let the Spirit of God go into the deep places and say, you know what? If God forgave me, I can forgive everybody. Now, let me help somebody because this is my little disclaimer. I want to be, I've said this, some of you have heard it so many times, you'll hear it again. So people haven't heard it. Does forgiving somebody mean you have to hang out with them? No. Does forgiving somebody mean you've got to talk to them? No. Forgiving somebody means you have released them out of you. And, and the way I teach this, because, you know, I've counseled people that were, this is, I mean, it's really hard when you, you know, I've had all kinds of counseling. I'm going to share one story. But um, to try to get, it's, it's really dangerous as a pastor to say, well, just forgive. And the worst one, oh, just forgive and forget. <laughs> yeah, really? That's the reason I'm here. <laughs> that is not a good answer as a minister. Because it's, it's really easy to say, oh, just forgive him. Just forgive them. But you don't, you don't understand the emotional damage that this person did to this, you know, especially in something, be careful of my words, you know, abuse. You guys know what I'm talking about. I don't want to use the S word, but that kind of stuff in a child. And you're just asking, well, just forgive them. No, there's got to be something else. You can't just forgive them. Let me pray for you. You'll be fine. No. You've got to give them a step-by-step process to, to recognize this thing and to deal with it properly. And, and properly really is by the Holy Spirit, because there's no other way you can deal with it. I mean, I'm sure you could go through therapy for the next 10 years and find help. But the Holy Spirit would take a second. But the Holy Spirit, what is the things, going back to Timothy, what is the things that God gave us? You already forgot. Don't make me start a sermon again. Sound mine? Power, love, self-control. It's all there. There you go to the loved one. You, you know, somebody has hurt you, the first thing you ever do is you release them. In other words, you approach it emotionally, or you pro- not emotionally, you approach it internally. Say it. You might have this internal conversation even as I'm preaching, as, as we finish this today, to say, you will never hurt me again. Because that person might have hurt you 40 years ago. But guess what? He's still hurting. She's still hurting. I counseled a lady. You heard the story. You know, she's just, I haven't seen, I don't know, many, many years ago. I don't even know if she's in Heavenville. I haven't seen her, gosh, in years. But she was in my office, and, and she was going on about this traumatic experience of abuse. And, you know, she's weeping. And it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a moment, you know, it's intense. And she's trying to process it, and I'm, you know, I'm listening to her talk. And when it's my turn to talk, I mean, the way she was expressing this thing, it sounded like it happened like last week, really, just like a couple weeks ago. And, you know, because she's finished, I'm like, boy, this is really serious. This uncle had abuse. I mean, it was just bad all around. And I asked her, and she's struggling, and I, I hate this guy, and I want to kill him, and all this kind of stuff. Well, she's not saying that, because she says all this stuff. And this is where it gets really interesting. That, that part that she wanted to kill, she didn't say that. She's going on about how disgusted and on and on and on and on and on. So it's my turn to talk, and I say something. To her. So 
when did all this happen? I'm like thinking, do we need to call the cops? That's really what I'm thinking because as a counselor, there are certain lines. If you're in counseling, you know what I mean. You know, your confidentiality, I will never, you know, you come to me, that's zero. But if you tell me you're going to kill somebody, eh, that, 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 that clause doesn't work anymore. You know, you're getting somebody, or you're going to kill yourself. So I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, because this sounds so, and I said, so when did all this happen? She said, well, this happened about 25 years ago. I'm like, oh, my God. I said, okay, well, I guess she's living it so serious. So that means for 25 years of her life, she's, she's carried this heavy weight. And then the next question, I said, she's talking about this guy very much. I'm assuming he's his neighbor. I says, so where is this guy? Well, no, he died about eight years ago. And here is this, the guy's gone. This horrible person's gone. And this lady still has no quality of life, even though that person's dead. Do you think that's fair? That's not fair for anybody. So you've got to be able to give that person a process to say, okay, so the big one, you know, and we'll keep nailing it, is there's only one place now. Okay, so the next one is, let me give tip. so you've got to acknowledge it. You begin to practice forgiveness. You begin to practice forgiveness, and I'll, and I'll tell you the, the point where I was going with this. And so that's one case of, like, severe unforgiveness that, trailed her whole life, and you know I don't know if it got resolved because I didn't see her soon after that she left. But the other one is, when I tell somebody, well, you need to forgive people, but you don't have to hang out with them. You don't have to be involved with them, especially if they've hurt you or hurt your family. And I've heard people say, well, that's not the Christian way. You're supposed to forgive and forget. Nuh-uh. The Bible says forgive. It says God forgets. Remember that. He forgets your sins. It doesn't say you forget, all right? So let's not go there. But here's the, the scripture that helped me, and this is my own personal life story. I'm not going to share the story, but I went through a thing where I was really, really, really angry at a certain individual probably about 13 years ago now. And it was just hard. I mean, it was so bad, I almost quit the ministry, to be honest with you guys. I talked to my pastor, and I'm like, I'm done. I'm going to quit the ministry, and I'm going to go kill him. You can send my information to the jail, all right? No, I didn't say that, but I was just so angry, and I had all these ideas, and I was going to, you know, and God's, you know, trying to deal with this thing, you know, and trying to forgive this thing. And I said, Lord, but, you know, that, so anyway, at the end of this conversation, the Lord brought me to this, to this story. Well, not the story, but when he taught about if somebody slaps you, you guys know this, what are you supposed to do? You're, somebody said, turn the other cheek, which is correct, but not biblically correct. It says offer. Just say, no, 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 not, not a big difference because you still have to turn it. But we, we've tended to turn the other cheek which is fine, because what you do when you offer the other cheek, you've got to turn your head. So if you slap me here, and I want to offer this side, I'm going to offer it to you so you can hit me again, I've got to do this. What does that do? Your eyes come off that person. Pay attention. That scripture never says you get slapped. It just says if somebody slaps you, offer them the other cheek. If you go further on into... Um, my gosh, I'm going to mess this one up. In the Bible. <laughs> I think it's in the book of Romans. might be in the book of Acts. It's just a lot of scriptures in my head. You know, Paul talks about this. And, and, you know, and he presents it basically, you know, you offer, you know, Paul doesn't talk about offering the other cheek. But Paul looks at it. And basically, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get the scripture back over my head, but he looks at it by saying, this is below you. In other words, when somebody hurts you, let me put it this way, 
you forgive them. You say, I release them. That means you have to do it because turning the other cheek, what the Lord showed me in that was I forgive you. My sign of forgiveness is I'll offer you, you can hit me again, I don't care, but the biggest sign of my forgiveness, I'm not looking at you anymore. I'm offering my cheek, but my eyes are not on you anymore. So the next step of forgiveness is, and this becomes a mind, this is where your emotions and your mind come. When that, so today you're going to pray. If you're, if you're honest, you're going to release these people. But when the thought comes, it's usually going to come with an emotion about what this person did to you, right? It's not just a thought. It's like, ugh. You're going to say the same thing. I forgive you, and I, but I'm not looking at you anymore. I'm offering you the other, you're not talking to the person physically, but the more you practice this, you be, it really begins, and I'm telling you, because years and years, I'm talking maybe 20 years ago, I had to deal with this, and then that hit me, no, 13 years ago, I had to deal with it hardcore. I thought I had it, but I didn't when I was tested. But when I resolved it, it became so easy to forgive people. Because things used to stay with me. Come on, anybody? Like, that was my mom's character versus my dad's character. But after I resolved this, and I, I remember coming down, I'll, I'll say that scripture, I was coming down to exactly where it was, Lobo Creek, and I was dealing, and I was having all these internal conversations with God, and, it, and I had this, this, like, this aha moment with the Holy Spirit, and I just began to laugh. Because that morning, I went to the scripture I was going to refer to, where Paul said, basically, forgive those that abuse you, so forth and so on. He says, he says by doing so, oh no, he says, you heap coals of fire on their head. And it's in the context of vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. So that morning I had prayed that over that individual because I was trying to be spiritual. I'm Lord, I bless so-and-so. Keep him, bless him, bless those, I bless him to curse you, and I do this. But what I wanted, I just wanted to meet the requirements for the coals of fire. That was, my, that was, that was the, ah, the stupid moment I had when, I, when the Holy Spirit just, I just busted out laughing because that morning I went to Laredo and I, I lived in Hebronville then. I was going to Laredo and I'm still worked up about this thing. And, I, and I, that morning I prayed that. I said, Lord, here it is. And I'm going out. I bless him. I forgive him. Keep coals of fire, coals of fire, coals of fire, coals of fire. I want coals of fire on him, Lord. So I'm going to bless him, forgive him. So I left that day and, and, I'm, and I'm pondering and it's, it's just like cancer. And I was going out for about a month. That day I left. This is what I'm telling you about. God has a way of working you. And I'm, I'm going to Laredo, did myself. I'm coming back right there where that Lobo Creek is. I'm thinking about all this, and it hit me. How stupid does that sound? And I just busted out laughing. I really, I'm like, that is, I'm like, I can't believe it. My, my head was in such a rut that I didn't even recognize my thinking. Have you ever been there? That when you snap out of it, you're like, my God, I can't believe I was in that stupid thinking hole for 30 days. That's how long it took to bust out of this thing. But when I started laughing, the Lord really released me of all this, this anger and all this, you know, vengeance that I wanted, and all this, you know, stuff I wanted to fix. But what came after that was amazing, church, that after that, rarely this thing get under my skin. Every once in a while, something will come under and bug me. But it just developed something that, you, I'm, t- I'm, I'm really honest with you, you could literally cuss me out, and I don't know why you would do that, because I'm such a nice guy and all that. But you could just cuss me out right now, and more than likely, I wouldn't even think about it. I probably would never talk to you again. That's for sure, because I'm turning the other cheek. I probably will not have anything ever to do with you again. I mean, unless, you know, it's true repentance, all that. I'm saying I'm not going to put myself in a position where you're just going to keep insulting me. But I'll tell you one thing I'm not going to do. I'm not going to take offense. 
Because offense is one of the biggest roots of bitterness. You have a choice to be offended. It's your choice. You don't have to be offended. Because every time you feel you have to be offended, you can look at the cross. Because he was crucified and died as a murderer. He died as a criminal. Not a murderer, but I mean he was two criminals without sin. And during this little process, I remember there was a lot going on during those 30 days, but one of the, one of the lessons that when I was harboring all this stuff in me and trying to resolve it, one time I was in prayer. And I was mad as I, that's a good place to be. Just pray when you're mad. You, you'll find some stuff out. God will, get a, God will talk to you when you're mad. And I'm like, Lord, you know this thing, and I don't want to go down. And I told Lord, I said, I don't know, I don't think Lord, that was before this whole incident of me laughing. It was, I said, I don't think I can let this go, Lord. I really told him that. That's what he said. He said, look at your hands. That's all I got. I went like that. He said, see any holes? I said, nope. That's all he said. You see any holes in your hands? Next time you want to go off on somebody, look at your hands. Because he died for you. And he took those nails for you. So you could process life in a better way. So you could process situations like this where somebody, you know, somebody cuts in front of you the line and that doesn't ruin your whole day. Amen? Because it changes. You know, somebody cuts in line and says, like, who are you thinking? It's like, well, praise God, another five minutes that I can waste on TikTok or whatever. You know? <laughs> I mean, there's just always another angle. There's always another angle. And the Holy Spirit is the one that's always trying to show us that angle. So, you know, recognize offense, recognize these things. Okay, we've got to finish up. Sorry, guys. Got almost done. You guys are so attentive this morning. <laughs> Glory to God. Okay, so we practice forgiveness, and I mean practice it, practice it, practice it. Um, another one is communication. If it's somebody, obviously, like I said, family is usually the best ones that can offend us. Talk, talk, talk. Resentment is one of the things that, you know, root of bitterness and resentment, one of the things that helps it grow is lack of communication. The more you harbor it, you can't talk to anybody, find somebody. You can't talk to me, make an appointment, I'll talk to you, okay? But you've got to get it out. you got to, you can't, you know, resentment goes with words. So, so the more you pack it in there and not release it. So you've got to communicate. If it's somebody you can talk to about it, talk about it. And if, you can't, if, you can't, if somebody you can't communicate about it, you talk to your best friend, you talk to your prayer partner, you talk to your pastor, you talk to somebody, but you need communication because that's actually what we're doing this morning. You guys are quiet, I'm talking, right? But when you begin to express yourself, you know, that's why therapy and all this stuff, you know, people make all this money is because there's so many people in this world that have nobody to talk to, so they've got to hire somebody. That's basically what therapy, I mean, that's, that's the bottom line, man. They, they do professional thing, and they go to school, and they get certificates and tell you how to not be crazy. But at the end of the day, that's what it is. So communication, and the big one, develop empathy. Get a perspective of life where you can look at people and say, I wonder what caused them to be so angry. I wonder why they're like that. And, and it's not that you're better than them. It's not, in other words, you begin to see people... And this, Joyce Myers, one that helped me this many, many years ago, um, I heard something she said, and she talked about, because it it's really easy to, to confront people where they're at, right? They get up in your face. But she said something to the effect of, you don't know what happened to that person. You don't know what happened in their childhood. You don't know if they're going, you know, they got a child with cancer in the hospital. You don't know anything. All you know is how they responded. I'm talking about somebody, you know, that you don't know. And the empathy comes with that to trying to see people from a different perspective. You know, it's just don't, don't, 
You said that helps you not be reactive. In other words, have compassion even for the mean people. How about that one? Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. You know, and that one is, is completely, let me, let me just read the note I wrote. So develop empathy and, and perspective taken. So developing empathy and understanding for the person that caused the resentment can help to reduce the intensity. That doesn't justify what they did to you. That, means, that just gives you a perspective to say, God, you know, I wonder why this person is so angry. Why is this person so resentful? Why is this per-? you know, and not as a judgment way, but more as a prayer way. And guess what happens? By, do, by having empathy, you kinda, it's kind of like you protect yourself from that, that spear to go in because you're already confronting it with compassion. So even though they're coming at you, you've already built a little hedge of protection saying, compassion, you know, I was, I was telling, you know, these things about when somebody gets in your face and, and, and starts yelling and they say how to defuse a situation and all that. I don't know if you guys ever had to do, you know, conflict resolution, all that. <laughs> I don't know if it works with Latinos, but I think it would get worse with some of us. But this is what you say. When somebody's offing, tell you, you just look at them, really, and they say, are you feeling okay? Now, that might fix it or they might hit you. I don't know. But, you know, that is, you know, when you do that, what are you doing? I want to say this right. You're taking the higher ground. In other words, you're already making a choice to say, I'm not going to be offended. Can I help you? Because apparently you have a lot of problems. Huh? So, you know, empathy, compassion, all these things, but the biggie, biggie one is forgiveness. I think that's the one. Go ahead and stand to your feet. I've got to stop. I pray to God that this is helping you. We're going to, we've got a couple more weeks, but, um, you know, it's not about, how long do I have to stand on a series? I just, I'm going to stop when the Lord tells me to stop on this. But I know it's helping me. And again, I said this at the front end. If any of this stuff is helping you, get on Facebook, post it, share it. You know, especially on online church, I know you guys interact a lot. Um, we'd like to see testimonies. We'd like to see all these things. Because I know we're on this journey together. None, not one person, including your pastor, has this thing down. But I know that by the Holy Spirit and understanding that we are in control of this beautiful thing called life, and we are in control of these beautiful things called emotions, because emotions are a beautiful thing. It's, what we, it's, it's when they get toxic that we've got to deal with. Amen? Let's pray this morning. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for the word this morning, and, and where it has really traveled and continue to help us understand, really get to know who we are, Lord, to just really understand how you built us and how you made us and how you wired us, Lord. But I just thank you, Holy Spirit, as we pray this morning, we come with an open heart. Now, please, you know, right there where you are, start praying. You don't need to listen to my prayer. But, Father, we open our heart, and I open my heart completely, Lord, and I want to see if the, every root of bitterness that has ever been placed in our hearts, in our psyche, by childhood trauma or recent events. It doesn't matter, Father, but we ask you, Holy Spirit. We open our hearts. You are the one that gave us a sound mind. It says you gave us power and love to come to a place of sound mind. And I just thank you this morning as we, as we talk about emotional intelligence, we talk about mental health and all these things, Lord, I thank you that right now by the Holy Spirit we ask you two things, Lord. And I ask you from the bottom of my heart. Identify every root of bitterness in my heart. Father, I'm sure there's some in there that I haven't recognized. And I pray that as we stand here in this congregation together, Lord, that we stand here with that open heart that, Lord, we understand we need you. We understand we can't do this by ourselves. We need more information. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that today every root of bitterness is being uprooted. And there are people being set free in this building, on our online church. Come on, church. Press in a little bit. Father, in the name of Jesus, it is not right for a believer 
to live their life filled with trauma and depression and anxiety from stuff that's happened so many, many years ago. So today, Lord, we come with an open heart. We come with an open mind to say, fix it, Lord. Help us, show us the path. And the big one, Lord, show us our part in this. But today I pray, Holy Spirit, that people are being healed, I believe, with all my heart. They're being healed online. They're going to be healed when they listen to this podcast. But right now, in this moment, in this precious, precious moment, Come on, just give him a little place. Just give him a little place. Forget about the clock, man. That clock is one of the biggest anointing killers there is. Just enjoy it for a moment. We're almost done. See, if this is important to you, give him the place. Let the calmness of his spirit start moving. And let him, he say, you know, he'll bring it up. He'll say, hey, you got to forgive your mom. Because, you know, she did this or she wasn't. Or you got to forgive your dad that walked out on you. Betrayed you or whatever, you know. He'll start going down the list, and, and some of it might be painful, and some of it might be bring tears to your eyes. But I'm telling you, if the Holy Spirit is working it, there will be healing at the end of this. And I'm telling you, you don't have to live the rest of your life stuck in some dark place. We are called to live with meaning. So, Father, uproot it all now, Holy Spirit, and give us a path of understanding. And I thank you, Lord, that, yes, we are emotional beings, and we will never, ever try to quench them or say no 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 we just want to be the right ones let joy and peace come always for let peace is special where people come and, and rub and, and talk to us and say, why do you have so much peace holy spirit heal now jesus now remember what i'm talking about right now is where you're going to have to maybe you have to forgive somebody i have to do it. You don't have to do it out loud. Everybody hears. You have to do it. He said, Lord, I, I, I release. You start going down the list. You know, this person, that person, this situation, that situation. The time they backstabbed me, that person that never paid me back, that person that, you know, whatever. My mom, my dad, my cousin. Let's go down the list. You don't, it's not worth it. Those people don't even know. Most of them don't even know how much control they have over you. So you let go right now. And by letting go, you let go of the control they have. So in the name of Jesus, Lord, one more prayer. All the people that have hurt and we have not been able to get, all the people that I know, and I don't make any light of it, Lord, have serious trauma, serious events in their life, Father, that cause this. Holy Spirit, you will show them love. We have the mind of Christ. And this morning, that mind of Christ is washing away the pain. It's washing away the guilt. It's washing away the condemnation. Well, that's a big one. Somebody, you've been dealing with guilt. Come on. You know who you are. Maybe it's one that right now in the name of Jesus. See, things were done to you, and instead of, it's weird how this dynamic works. Things were done to you, but instead of you being, like, against the person, you somehow you got all this guilt over it like it was your fault. Holy Spirit's talking to us. Today, it's done. You're free. Don't bring it up anymore. And when that thought comes, just begin to pray for that person. Bless them. Seriously, bless them. Pray for their people. And it's done. You are free this morning. In the name of Jesus. No more. Thank you, Holy Spirit. See, that's what you give the Holy Spirit a little bit of room. He'll, he'll do things like that. It's not always have to be loud and run around the building. Like that song that Kathy's playing, just a moment.
want to worship you this morning for making this church a healthy, strong church. And the people are being healed right now. And Father, what we do, we do it for this reason. To, to, to people get a grasp on life, to be a witness of who you are, who you really are, not, not the religion, not the nonsense, just the peace that only your spirit can Father, as we are here in your presence and you're healing people, fixing people's lives, I just want to give you glory and praise for this. Last thing I pray, Lord, make us all pursuers of peace. Make it that biggest thing this week. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Don't clap, don't clap. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, don't clap. Just sit down. It's a sweet presence.